Today on Pilgrim Radio's His People, Ian Carmichael with a biblical approach to busyness, when it's good and when it's not. That all flows from being in God's image, both our the kind of mandate to work and to be active and busy and caring for God's world, but also in resting and enjoying our relationship with Him as our Creator. Ian Carmichael, next. Carmichael has led a busy life as co-founder and CEO of Matthias Media. While being too busy can be a problem, being busy, he says, is usually a good thing. He has an unusual and biblical take on being busy, which strikes at the heart of our God-given purpose. He's author of Busy, Tackling the Problem of an Overloaded Christian Life. Ian stepped down from his CEO role in 2020. Ian, as I mentioned, you've recently stepped back a bit from some of your involvements at Matthias Media. So what motivated you to write a book about busyness? Uh, I guess uh, it's certainly true that I have stepped back from some of the business uh, in recent years, um, stepping down from as CEO. Uh, but actually, my thinking about business started well before that. Um, actually, this, this book started uh, life as a series of short talks in the church I was in at the time. Uh, and what I noticed was that uh, as I asked people, you know, how are you, greeted them, said, how are you, how often they said, busy. Um, and the other thing I noticed is it was more, uh, I'm busy and I'm not really that happy about it. I'm not quite content with the level of business that I'm in. And so I started thinking about that issue. The other thing I, th- I noticed was that people made decisions about what to do with their time and, and how what to be busy with, without really much reference to God. I thought that's, you know, that doesn't seem right, that uh, we, we keep making all those dozens of decisions every day about what we'll do with our time without any reference to what God might want us to do with our time. Um, and so that's, you know, so I particularly wanted to address that need in our own, in my own church at the time. Um, but there were only short talks and actually the, uh, the length of a five-minute talk turned out to be pretty good length for a, a chapter of a book. So eventually, I did a lot more work on the material and turned it into a book. Um, but it really it, it arose from that uh, the need I saw around me of, of Christians, particularly, just expressing their frustration, their discontent with the level of business they were involved in. You write that it's not a magic bullet. It's not a book about time management, tips, if you will. It's not necessarily for, for workaholics, that kind of thing. So you're basically trying to, to, to what, help us, I think you use the word, direct our busyness in the right way. Yes, I came to the conclusion after, after looking at what the Bible had to say on the topic that actually business uh, itself isn't the problem, um, that actually God is a, is a God who is busy. Uh, he's busy in, at work in his world. Um, he was busy in, in creating the world. He's a, God is a worker. Yeah, he's active. Um, but God is also a rester. So at the end of making his creation, he rests. Um, and so we kind of, we, as people who are made in his image, we're also uh, made to be workers, to be active, to be busy. 
but also to rest uh, and getting that balance right is is part of the challenge. But the uh, the busyness we are to be involved in uh, can be good business or bad business. It can be well-directed business or ill-directed business. And I think what the Bible wants us to to do is to think think about what is well-directed business, what makes something a good thing to be involved in, um, and what makes it a, a less good thing or a bad thing to be involved in. So that's what I wanted to explore in the book. And to, to do that, you really got to ask some deep questions about what's our purpose and meaning in life. What does the Bible say about our purpose? Uh, because it's only once we understand our purpose in life that we can start to align our decisions about what to do each day uh, with that purpose. Um, and I think that's that's where a lot of Christians struggle. We have have a tendency to quickly jump to our purpose is to glorify God, mm-hmm. but without actually thinking through what that looks like, what it means. Um, it's a it's a nice cliche. Westminster Short Catechism tells us the chief end of man is to glorify God and enjoy Him forever. But until I can actually imagine my own mind what that looks like at a day to day level, then it's, I'm not going to be able to turn the chief end of man into the chief end of me. Um, I, I really need to be able to put some flesh on the bones of what that looks like in my daily life. Uh, and so that's what I've tried to do in the book. You explore what the Bible says about how we glorify God. What is our purpose? If our purpose is to glorify him and enjoy him, what does that actually look like? Uh, and therefore, what decisions do we need to make to be able to do that better and better? And, and very central to this whole, whole discussion, um, you, you set the foundation very early, is the, the biblical truth that we are, human beings are created in the image of God. Yeah, very much. It's it. Um, for, I think Luther was one one of the people who said it. And I'm sure others have said it. But uh, to to know ourselves, we really need to know God, um, and that flows largely from the, the biblical view that uh, we are made in God's image, in His likeness, um, and that has a number of consequences and implications. Um, but one of them is just in terms of our purpose and what we do, uh, and so we're. God gives us a purpose in the garden um, to, you know, to to work to rule the world in in His image, um, but then we have the fall uh, from sin. And how is that? How does that play out in a fallen world? How do we how do we rule God's world? And what does God do in in order to re- redeem that rule uh, in in the Lord Jesus? Uh, so all of that flows through from from beginning with that assumption that we're made in God's image. Uh, it does affect uh, how we how we are busy, but also how we rest and why we rest. Uh, I don't know if you've ever thought about why God tells us uh, in the Ten Commandments, for example, why we ought to have a Sabbath, why we ought to rest. Um, why did God rest in the first place? Well, we can be pretty sure it wasn't because He was tired. Yeah. God doesn't get tired. He's you know He's all powerful. He and He does His work by speaking. Uh, so, so there's certainly truth in that our Sabbath rest is for our good and for us to physically rest. But I think the the idea in Genesis uh, is that God rests in order to be able to uh, enjoy His creation uh, and all that He's made. In, in particular, enjoy His relationship with those who are made in His image. And so, I think similarly, our rest needs to be more than just physical rest. It needs to be what I call God rest. Uh, it, it's us enjoying God 
um, and enjoying what he's created for us. That all flows from being in God's image, both our uh, the, the kind of mandate to work uh, and to be active and busy um, in caring for God's world, but also in resting and enjoying our relationship with him as our creator. And as you said, with other people as well. Yeah, particularly, I think, uh, God God in himself uh, as, a, as the Trinity, uh, God in three persons, he is by definition a relating God, even within in the Godhead, he is, he is relating. Um, and so I think he has made us in his image to also be relators. Part of our the goodness of his creation is, is our ability to in, find satisfaction and joy in relating with other people. Um, and also helping them with their purpose in life, uh, which is, I think, where I head next in the, in the book, is f- from knowing that we are made in God's image and that we are uh, to uh, glorify him. What does that look like? Uh, and how do we help other people also find that purpose and glorify him uh, in, in their lives as well? And that goes to the purpose of what we should be busy with. Your book is busy, Tackling the Problem of an Overloaded Christian Life. My guest is Ian Carmichael. He is the author. He was CEO uh, for many years of Matthias Ministry, of which uh, he is the co-founder. Well, in terms of finding our purpose, you said that is central to knowing, Ian, what we should be busy with. What is our purpose? How do we find that? Obviously, God's Word is central to that. Well, I think it starts with, again, uh, in terms of understanding ourselves, we start with God. In terms of understanding our purpose, again, I think we start with God and we ask, what is God's purpose in the world? Um, And does that help us find our purpose? And I think it does. So um, God's purpose in creating the world was for him to enjoy his creation and to relate to his creation, but was also to glorify his son, uh, the Lord Jesus. And so he uh, he has what I call in the book uh, a meta narrative. It's the sort of the story that overrides all our other sub stories, our personal stories. Is this, that is that meta narrative of what he's doing in our world? I take it as a simple linear movement from a point A, which is his creation, uh, to point B is his new creation. And so he's he's uh, inexorably moving history from point A to point B, where uh, his new creation is going to be established uh, by the Lord Jesus, and we can be part of that through Jesus. And so that that meta narrative of moving from point A to point B, uh, however long that takes, uh, that's God's timetable. Uh, however long that takes, we can we can find our purpose by ali- aligning our purpose with His purpose. That is, if God is moving from point A to point B and wants us to move from the darkness into the kingdom of light then our purpose is also to align ourselves with that and help other people move from the darkness into the kingdom of his wonderful light. And so that's where I think we can find an alignment with God's purpose uh, and our purpose. So that is, when you talk about the subtitle of your book, Tackling the Problem of an Overloaded Christian Life, it goes back to what you said at the beginning, that there is, in a sense, uh, good or well-directed busyness and bad busyness. We're to be busy, but with with the right things. I think uh, one of the issues in our society is is the fast pace. Uh, We rush around doing one thing after another, and particularly, I think, parents. uh, So they want to give their kids all the experiences in life. They want them to have 
music lessons and sport and ballet and they rush them around from activity to activity and they're good things uh, don't hear me wrong you know they're, they're all good things to be received with thankfulness uh, as the bible mm-hmm. says um, but they are they're not god's ultimate purpose uh, for the world um, and i think we tend to get caught up in them and not give too much thought to what god is doing and how how, how our activity is aligning with his purposes. Um, there's a place for enjoying, very much for enjoying God's good creation um, and in all the benefits of that mm-hmm. uh, and the music and art, and they're all good things. Uh, but if we lose sight of what God is doing in the world, we can come a bit unstuck um, and not be you know, serving him and glorifying him, which is as as we, we know, is, is our chief end. So uh, there's, there's good, good thing, other good things um, we can enjoy, and in a sense that's part of our rest, uh, that we can enjoy those good things that God has given us and give thanks to him, uh, which I think is central in a way to glorifying him, uh, that we acknowledge they come from him and, and glorify him by thanking him. Um, but I think there's also... Uh, truth in the fact that we need to look forward to the end point of what God is doing in the world and work with him to, to see that happen. And that, that comes out in 2 Peter 3, uh, where Peter's talking about the fact that the, the, the return of the Lord Jesus seems to be taking a long time, There's a, seems to be delayed. Mm-hmm. And Peter goes on, on and tells us, how should we live in this delayed period while we're waiting for Jesus to return? Uh, and one of the things he said, well, he says a few things, but one of which is that we should be godly and holy in this period. We should live live the sort of life that is uh, appropriate for the kingdom we are, we are going to be entering into. Uh, but he also says uh, to hasten the day. Um, so if God is delaying his return of Jesus in order to give people more time to repent, which it says at the beginning of 2 Peter 3, then the reason for delay is giving people a chance to repent. So our job is to hasten the day by helping people to repent. Um, And so opening up God's word with them, showing them the truth of the gospel, uh, showing them what God's point B is, where where history is heading towards, and getting them ready for that that final destination, uh, and and thus hastening the day that that Jesus comes back. I'd like to ask you something, uh, Ian, that you bring up. Uh, in your book, and that is when you think about an overloaded Christian life, many people listening to this have full-time jobs and families and other things, and then when they think about adding in some of the things that that we know come as part of the Christian life, maybe some kind of ministry, a volunteer ministry or Mm -hmm. church involvement, uh, fellowship groups and all of that, and they might say, this is making me even busier than I was. And right, you felt overloaded, and you go into some of the activities that often characterize the Christian life. It can make people feel really overloaded. What counsel do you give? Yeah, that's exactly right, isn't it? Sometimes it can feel like being a Christian is is part of the problem rather than part of the solution. We have the normal normal layers of activity that our non-Christian neighbors do, uh, but then we add on top of that all the Christian activities we we uh, we undertake. So part of the uh, exercise I encourage people to do uh, in the book is to do what I call an audit, um, to stop and say, okay, if, if I now understand what God is doing in the world and what my part is, and it's all about people, 
it's moving, preparing people. Uh, it's getting them ready for that final destination, God's point B. And my relationships with people are the most important thing in my life. So what I ask people to do is actually just to, to sit down and write a list of the people in your life. Uh, you know, you might start with your spouse and with your children, um, you know, then some friend, close friends and family members, parents and so on. And just put them on a list and say, okay, if, for each of these people, if the end goal is to ensure that they are ready for that point B return of Jesus, what do I need to do in my life to help them with that? Um, and you start with the most important people in your life that seems you know, that you have uh, God-given family responsibility for. I mean, God says if you, if you don't care for your own family, you're worse than an unbeliever. Mm-hmm. So we certainly start with our, our family obligations and responsibilities, but it can ex- extend beyond that. But the rea- when you actually start to do that audit exercise, you 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 really ha- have to face the reality that I can't do that with everyone. But I also suggest people put on uh, screen time, you know, TVs, um, social media. How much are you spending on that? Mm. They can be good things. They can be terrible things too, but they can be good things. They can help relationships. But do I put them above would I put them in terms of time commitment? Would I put them above spending time with my children? When you ask that question, the, the answer is obviously no. So, you know, we want to put those sort of things that are secondary a bit down the list. We still might want to find time for them. We need to relax. We need to have some downtime. Um, but it's a matter of weighing up your priorities and saying, okay, what can I do realistically? And if that's my God given responsibility, how do I make time for that? And at that point, you need to cut some things. And that could even include church things. Uh, but we, God gives us these different, what I call uh, different arenas of activity. So I have an arena of activity in my church. I have an arena of activity in my workplace. I have an arena of activity in my home with my family. And we have to kind of balance those three areas or arenas, and there may be other sporting teams and so on. We have to balance uh, those arenas how am I going to fulfill my purpose in each of those arenas? Um, and obviously, if you've got young kids, your focus is going to tend to be a little bit more skewed towards the home arena. Um, and workplace might just be largely a, a place you go and earn money in order to support your family. Uh, for other people, uh, less family obligations. They spend a lot more time with their work colleagues. Um, and that, that can be an arena for helping your work college colleagues know uh, the Lord Jesus and be prepared for his return. So I think we have to kind of map out uh, all the relationships in our lives and say, okay, which ones are the really important ones? What do I need to invest in those relationships? Uh, and therefore, what do I need to cut out of my life because they're just not as important as those, those relationships and what I'm trying to do in those relationships? Well, your book is busy tackling the problem of an overloaded Christian life, and obviously you have many insights uh, throughout the book, but one you make a kind of toward uh, the end. It's, it's a biblical truth that uh, Christ lives in us, Christ in us, the hope of glory. Practically, what does it mean that Christ lives in us, and, and, and how does that help us in determining day-to-day decisions? say, regarding the kinds of things that you just talked about? Well, one of the most profound things it does for us is it, is it tells us how much we are loved and valued, um, that, that Jesus died on the cross for me to rescue me, tells me that I, I actually have value to someone. Um, and so that's quite freeing in a sense. It means I don't have to prove my worth 
to my father, for example, um, and, and kind of just kill myself trying to impress and, and please my father, um, my, my earthly father, not my heavenly father. Um, and I don't, I, I don't have to prove my worth by being a successful entrepreneur. Um, I can still be a successful entrepreneur, but I'm not doing it in order to establish and prove to myself that I'm worthy of something. God has freed me from that. He said, you are worthy of my love. Um, and that's that's a, quite a liberating idea uh, in terms of what we work for. And I think it frees us in a sense to to work for him, uh, even as we do other things, even, even as we do our work as an entrepreneur, even as we try and uh, honour our parents. Um, but the, the chief chief purpose we have is to is to honor God because he is the one uh, from whom we gain our value um, and I think that that that's really fundamental uh, but it also shapes us in terms of having having the spirit in us teaching us guiding us helping us apply God's word to our everyday decisions uh, we you know, that's that's James says when we pray for wisdom God will give us wisdom and he gives it gives us that wisdom through his spirit and his word so really blessed to be able to have that knowledge of God's will and his purpose uh, through his word and his spirit in order to be able to apply that to our decision-making each day. As you mentioned earlier, Ian, uh, you, you talked about God's meta-narrative, that point A to point B, the creation to uh, the return of Christ, and we're living in that gap, and you refer to us as point B influencers. Yeah, so it I mean, it comes back to that idea, which I mentioned earlier, about um, hastening the day in 2 Peter 3, um, that, that God has given me a role as a, a speaker of his word. Uh, we're all gifted in different ways. Some, for some people, that's getting up and preaching in front, front of hundreds or thousands of people. Um, that's not really my gifting, but, um, you know, but for some people, it's, mm-hmm. it's sending an SMS uh, message to someone just to encourage them with a verse from the Bible. Um, but we can all engage in that work of uh, sharing God's word with other people to help them uh, grow in their Christian faith, uh, to come to Christian faith in the first place. Um, and that's part of that work of hastening the day, of being prepared myself, but also preparing other people for that point B. And so uh, the, the point B influence was just, a, I thought, just a catchy way of people see themselves as influencers for all sorts of things. Mm-hmm. Um, but we have a much more wonderful thing to influence people with and towards, and that is uh, God's word and towards God's purposes and God's end, the point B of the new creation where Jesus is the king. Um, so, yeah, I think uh, that, that's when I encourage people to, to, to consciously see themselves uh, as an influencer on the people around them, uh, that you can help them take a, even a small step uh, towards being prepared for point B and uh, enjoying uh, enjoying God and glorifying God themselves. I, I like, too, how you put it, kind of contrasting the distinctly Christian view of busyness versus one that is not Christian, and uh, we, we don't find our our purpose or our value, our worth in God's sight, in other words, does not depend on our usefulness to Him, although our work is significant, and there's an aspect of urgency attached to it. And the Scripture talks about that some will say, well, his, He's delayed His coming, and it might tend to make us um, per- perhaps a little bit lazy, but can you talk about why what, what we're about 
the busy the Christian busyness is urgent, and how can we get a sense of urgency if we don't have one? Yeah, and I think that's a it's a somewhat of a, a significant issue. I think for the, the Christian church in our day, with this, we I think some of it is from that two Peter three idea that people kind of start to doubt whether Jesus is actually ever going to return because it, it feels like it's it's taking a long time. Um, and so that passage, I think, is an important one uh, from Peter to to say, look, just God. God's time is different to our time. Um, so uh, we mustn't forget that he is actually going to return. And as Jesus says, that, that could be at any time. Um, we don't know that that hour and the day in which Jesus is going to return. Um, he could return today. Um, and so in that sense, there's an urgency. And we want people to be ready for that day. Um, and that's what God wants. He wants, he's delaying Jesus' return to give people the chance to be ready for that day. There's also an urgency just in in the fact that uh, living with the joy of knowing the Lord and uh, being able to speak with him in prayer, knowing him as God, as our father, our loving father, uh, having that assurance, it's just a good way to live. And I want want my non-Christian family members and, and friends and everyone to know about that and to be able to enjoy that now. Put it, I mean, yes, there's... There's an, an end time point B, you know, Jesus' return that I want them to be ready for. But I want them also to, to feel the privilege and blessing of enjoying relationship with, with the Lord Jesus now. Well, the book is busy tackling the problem of an overloaded Christian life. My guest is Ian Carmichael, and he is uh, the former CEO of Matthias Media, of which he is co-founder. Well, Ian, there, there's so much more to talk about, and our time has gone so quickly today, but what is your hope for, for the book? There's so much that we haven't been able to touch on today, but uh, as people read through it, you have questions at the end of each chapter, reflection questions. You're trying to take them and, and walk them through this important subject. Uh, what do you hope people take away? I'm, I'm a great believer in books, uh, and particularly Christian books uh, that are, are biblical. I, I'm a great believer in the, in the power they have to change lives uh, under God's hand. Um, and so I, I definitely would love this book to be able to change the reader's life, um, to help them think all those issues through and to serve God uh, more faithfully in a way that glorifies him more effectively. But I think one of the things I really hope for with this book is, I think many Christian books can do that, can change people's lives. What I hope from my book is that it will not just change the reader's life, but because of the change in their life, that it will change the lives of the people around them. Uh, that is because they are changing their orientation and what they value and what they're working, what they're striving for, um, and that, that, that centres around the people in their lives, that that will actually be a, a change for good in, in the people in their lives um, because it, it flows from them uh, to their family, to their friends, to their work colleagues and, and to the people in their sporting team, that, that it actually changes multiple lives, not just the life of the reader. And, of course, all of that is, uh, I hope, for the glory of God, which is the ultimate ought to be the ultimate aim of any Christian activity, whether it's writing a book or, you know, any activity we do, we can do it all for the glory of God. You've been listening to His People on Pilgrim Radio. Many thanks to our guest, Ian Carmichael, former CEO of Matthias Media and author of Busy, Tackling the Problem of an Overloaded Christian Life. 
Thanks for listening, and I hope you can join us again on Monday at the same time for another edition of His People.